it's going to be a share thing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to finish your professional journey. Uh, I'm going to train you in a very underserved, very at-risk population. Uh, and you'll learn the, what community nutritionists do. It's a, our program is really interesting. It's really heavily uh, built on promoting cooking skills for people with autism. Do you ever have so many questions and no one to ask, so they're just wasting away on Google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so? We had that same problem, and that's why we created the RD2B podcast, a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have. We are students Macy and Emily and registered dietitian Carl Barnes. We engage in conversations and learn from RDs. Join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country. Welcome back to another week of the RD2B podcast. I'm your registered dietitian host, Carl Barnes. This is our podcast where each week we sit down with a different registered dietitian to highlight the diversity of opportunity in the profession. Um, for this next month or so, we're going to be highlighting dietetic internships um, specifically so that we can showcase the different programs available to those um, students that are on their way to becoming uh, dietitians much closer. So um, today we're sitting with Janice Goldschmidt, Thank you so much for being here. I'll let you introduce yourself and, and all that you do a little bit better. I will be happy to. Uh, my name is Janice Goldschmidt. I am a researcher and practitioner uh, in the field of nutrition, but my specialty is working with adults with autism and other developmental disabilities. I serve uh, as the program director and the develop, uh, uh, director of nutrition services at Community Support Services Inc. We're a gorilla service organization, by that I mean massive service organization for adults with disabilities in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, and uh, one of the things that's very unusual about us is the autism angle. Uh, we have, there are other dietetic internship programs that have a little bit of an uh, autism piece, but we're the only exclusively autism program in the whole country. Very unusual program. I made most of my professional uh, reputation in several areas. I've done a lot of work on advancing cooking skills. And um, my program active engagement is, was published by the American Association, on, American Association on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. And it's used in lots of different programs in the country. So that's really where a lot of people know me from. But I've also done a lot of work on the epi nutritional epidemiology of adults with autism. And I've done a lot of work on uh, disordered eating on the autism spectrum. Awesome, great. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. As always, I'm Emily, your RD to be from University of Maryland College Park. So I guess before we go into the program, I know that you've pursued a master's of public health and a master's of science. So what made you want to pursue both well, instead of one or the other? My master's in science is in nutrition. Uh, and of course that came apart as part of my, uh, you know, getting my RD. To me, the MPH is a very powerful degree, but it's not particularly useful without some scientific background. So just being an MPH without being, having a clinical background is not, a, to me, didn't seem to be a very powerful way to be. So having a medical degree or a nursing degree or a nutrition degree and an MPH really does, uh, works very well together. It gives you something to draw back on. Uh, gives you a, a, a you know, sort of an angle to emphasize. Um, when I was finishing my master's, I, the thing I asked myself is what would advance my, my uh, you know, my career? Where, what would take me ahead? And I really looked at an, a PhD and I decided it would not help me. 
uh, because the job market in, for PhDs is so very tight. I mean, there's some government work, but it's mostly in academia and that gets tighter every year. And I decided that the thing that would help me most uh, would be an MPH. Uh, it's just a very versatile second degree, not as a primary, but as a second, it really does give you a lot of versatility, especially nowadays, there's a lot of different types of MPH programs. And now so many of them are available online. Great, thank you. So for students that, you know, we have to get a master's requirement within these next two years, what are some advantages and disadvantages? Like if I'm on the fence between the two, if you were the person to help me, you know, choose what way I wanted to lean, what are your opinions about both? I wouldn't get your MPH uh, with your RD. I'd get uh, um, maybe a master's in nutrition. I'm telling you, there's some real hot things out there. Like I try to encourage many interns, if they have an interest, in administration, it's one of the areas where RDs can avoid the glass ceiling. Uh, you know, in general, uh, nutrition jobs are relatively low paying. Uh, and one of the ways around that is to go into administration where there's lots of room to grow. Uh, and so an RD with an emphasis, with some sort of degree in administration, even an MPH in health administration would be an option. It's something where you, you move into that area the buzzword right now is quality. If you do some sort of work in quality, you have a lot of job options. And the other thing I'm really encouraging RDs is, is social media, electronic health, that kind of whole, whole area. It's really undertapped, underdeveloped, and getting a degree in that really would set you apart and give you a sort of a, would make you a, a sort of a big wheel and a small little, you know, big fish in a small little pond. So something like that, uh, I think, set yourself apart. Uh, and think about how you're going to escape the, 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 the traditional track, because that's relatively low pain. Great, thank you for that. That was a lot of great information. So what, I guess going into the internship a little bit, what's something you wish you knew before becoming an internship director and looking over so many students? Well, uh, there's a lot I didn't know, and I've been greatly helped. And I have to tell you, one of the things that's helped me the most is that ASCENT, who's the accrediting body for uh, internship programs, has a mentoring program. So I have a mentor who sits with me regularly, and I bounce things off of her. Um, one of the things I probably didn't appreciate enough when I started the whole process I went to my boss and said, I think we should have a dietetic intern program. I've had a lot of interns as a preceptor uh, where I just host, but they're short-lived and I have re relatively little to do with their whole journey. And I said, I think we should have a dietetic intern program. And she just went, bonk. she thought it was a great idea, but I didn't realize how highly regulatory it is. I spent a year doing paperwork uh, you know, before I even started to interview my first candidates for our first inaugural class, we just start, oh, our first class just arrived. On, excuse me, on September seven. So I spent a year and change doing paperwork, filing reports, designing a program, looking at what the regulations called for, and I would say right now that the regulations are in flux. We're finishing up on the 2017 uh, guidelines and we're going to the 2022 and they're different and making adjustments in that regard. There's the new master's requirement coming in. Uh, and I think everyone's just sort of watching and waiting. And so there's, 
there's a there's that aspect of the DI I did not know. Um, I think another thing I didn't realize is um, there's lots of um, different reasons why people are going into the internship program. And, you know, I have um, a, a blinders about, you know, my own career. I was very career driven and ambitious. And not everyone's coming in for the same reason. Some people, this is just the next step in the journey. Um, and so uh, I'm having to, you know, uh, work with people who aren't as ambitious uh, as I was when I was uh, doing my internship. Um, and there are a lot of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, I'm learning to manage better. Uh, it's a lot of management and, um, you know, and that takes, that's a skill. Uh, I'm learning a lot about uh, doing it. I keep telling my interns, to a certain extent, I'm making it up every day. And so while you're learning, I'm learning. Let's be patient with each other as I learn to, you know, to do this. Great. So since you're an on-site program, are you guys full-time? Are you part-time? Do you offer both tracks or what does that look like? So we are set up to have six full-time and two part-time. Um, our current guidelines say that you can have, you can be as low as 20 hours. I have one intern who's doing four days a week, that's 32 hours, and that's going to get her through the program, she'll be done by late May, probably mid, early June. I have one intern who's doing 20 hours. And I think retrospectively, you learn as you go that that's a mistake to offer as low as 20, because if you think about it, that's two and a half days. Two and a half days is a real pain in them. It should probably be 24 hours. That's three full days, uh, which I think is probably a better way to go moving forward. But she wants to work a part-time job. Uh, and do the internship, and that she's allowed to, to go take the whole year uh, to do her 20 hours. But everyone else is 40 hours a week, uh, and they'll be done the first, second week in May. Great. So how long is your program? Is it one year? Is it a few months? What does it look like? Well, the, the full-time individuals will be done in eight months. The part-time, uh, it'll be very a bit, but the longest one will be there a year. And that's if you go straight through. Uh, we give you a week at Thanksgiving, we give you a week plus a little bit at Christmas, uh, and then you're full-time the rest of the time. Um, but things happen, uh, especially COVID. I don't think anybody wants people to work while they're sick anymore, right? That, those days are done. So if you get sick, we fully expect you to, um, you know, to be sick and we'll just work around it, schedule you back in when you have a, a doctor's clearance. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest changes we, we see from COVID is that work through it mentality is completely gone. Most definitely. So what um, does the admission process look like for your dietetic internship? Because I see that you don't accept that many individuals. So how many people do you roughly get that apply? Well, we, we just had our inaugural class and I wasn't mm -hmm. allowed because the, the date we were approved by ASEN for candidacy, I wasn't allowed to go into the first round of the match. So I went into the second round of the match. However, and we have eight uh, full interns. I don't think that's small. It's not, it's not a big program, but it's, I think it's a medium sized program. There are a lot of programs that are smaller than mine. Um, so the, uh, this is a really good question of what, it, what does our application process look like? Well, it looks like what you'll see anywhere else in the terms of diecast and like that, and I want an essay, but I'm not looking for, you know, with 
trying very, very hard not to cherry pick. And it's so easy because they really hold your feet to the fire on the exam, the RD exam, and, and what your outcomes are. So the easiest thing to do, of course, would be to take the best grades. Um, but that's not always the best RDs, is it? Or the best people for working with our population who are really, you know, have these communication challenges. I had an intern that I precepted. She was with me um, and was probably the most beloved intern I've ever had, just adored. She, she took that exam over and over and over. She just passed. I'm so proud of her. And um, she is the ideal intern for me. But on paper, I wouldn't have taken her on paper because of the fact that you want desperately to have individuals who will take the exam. But in the real world, she was so perfect with the clients. So we're trying to find the balance of what makes, what would be appropriate for our need. I can't take uh, eight students who all need to be, uh, have their hand held over the finish line in terms of the exam. I just can't, but I can take some. So grades aren't fixated with us. Uh, we want to know that you're treating your career in a professional way. Um, so if you're a mom and you're working, you're having your family and in school and your grades are a little lower, I can deal with that. Uh, you know, if you're, if you have a really low GPA and you have no responsibilities whatsoever and all you're doing is going to school, I'm looking at that a little differently. Um, but I'm just looking for grades that show that in the primary courses, you know, you have some study skills. Um, uh, we hope that we will get some individuals who are truly interested in disability studies that, you know, genuinely interested. So that uh, will be on the lookout for people. And we believe we will recruit in that way nationwide. Uh, if you're interested in uh, disability studies and you're in Omaha or whatever, we think we can actually bring you, we'll have a very strong program in that regard. Uh, we think we'll get some individuals who are looking for a budget program because we're the cheapest um, and we come in at $6,500, uh, which is the cheapest except for WIC, but WIC at the end of it, you owe them two years of service. So I would say <laughs> that's actually a really steep price, but we're very uh, inexpensive program. So we'll get some budget uh, people. Uh, we'll get some people who, um, who are strong, interested in community nutrition, I think. Um, and we're just looking for different. We uh, want a diverse, interesting group of people. We don't want to focus exclusively on grades um, because you know that doesn't really have a relationship with how you'll be with our our clients at all. I do want I do want to see signs of professional though. I really do. I'm sure. So I'm I might have uh, misheard this, but the people that the disabled individuals that you work with, are they older? Are they children? Are they middle-aged or are they every age? They're across the board, but it's primarily adults. Now that's a number, but you know, you have 40 year olds going on five. All, all of our clients have intellectual disability. Um, no one, none of our clients live independently in the community. Uh, none of them are actually go independently in the community. They're all supported in their uh, vocational, educational, everything. We'll have a couple of adolescents, small little adolescent, a school. So a small little adolescent cadre in our school, but then it's mostly adults. Uh, I think our oldest is 65 uh, and lots of 20 to 30, 40, all that. But again, uh, even though they're all adults, 
many of them are going to lack a lot of uh, you know functional uh, you know skills of living of activities of daily living. So a lot of them can't hold jobs in the traditional sense, can't be out in the community in the traditional sense. So, but an adult population. In terms of nutritional needs, absolutely adult population. When you're looking, um, you know, at applications of candidates that come across, at least where I am, I haven't really come across many opportunities to work with individuals that have intellectual disabilities. So how, like when you're looking through applications, is that something you're specifically looking for? Or do you mind if someone had, you know, a lot of community experience or what's your take on that? I, it's still gonna be so rare. Um, so what I'm looking for are two things. One is you'll find people who have a, a family member who has an intellectual disability or autism. That's great because they get it. So that would be a plus. I don't doubt it. If you have experience, that's a plus. But that's not, you know, everything. I think, uh, you know, that you're interested in it. Um, uh, you have, um, you know, you're open to it, I think. Um, and there are people who genuinely want to work with disability populations. They're not going to be a lot, uh, but they're going to be some. And of course, I'm going to go after those. Those I'm going to compete for those individuals because that's going to be a relatively small group. And the rest, you know, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a share thing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to finish your professional journey. Uh, I'm going to train you in a very underserved, very at-risk population, uh, and you'll learn the, what community nutritionists do. It's a, our program is really interesting. It's really heavily uh, built on promoting cooking skills for people with autism. And then if you think about the nutritional internship, which you haven't done yet, but there's very few internships that do cooking skills at all, period. But cooking skills for people with intellectual disabilities is such an unusual program. It's very innovative. Um, so you'll come away with a real understanding of how, you know, how would you teach cooking skills to any population, you know? Uh, so you'll really have some uh, some insight into the whole idea of, a, of culinary skills as part of the nutritional curriculum. And I think the answer here is, you know, Emily, is that I don't have, uh, I'm not looking for any one thing. I'm just kind of looking, if, are you serious about your career? Are you professional? Uh, you know, all the things that you expect to see in a professional person in terms of time management and responding and things like that. Um, I want uh, interesting, diverse, uh, you know, people. And so I'm not, I don't have a particular type in mind other than if you have some interest in the disability angle. I mean, I'm, that does put you at the top of the pile. Great. And then I guess my final question is, how do you, how does your program set students up for success? When they leave their internship, what are some tools that you want to make sure they have in their belt that they will be successful? Well, I, one of the things I do that we're really focused on is on day one, exam, exam, exam. So, and I, I'm a carrot girl, not a stick. So I reward continually for preparing for the exam. I, you get in on your first day and then I have, uh, you know, have constantly have, show me your work, continuing to work. We do these things. I love to bake cookies. So I'm always giving out cookies when I will do a, a flashcard check or whatever. So I'm gonna get you ready for your exam. And if you're not into that, you don't now wanna come here. And I really try and gonna to try to get all my interns into that exam as soon as possible. I've seen so many people delay the exam. There's no good that can come of that. 
you want to take it the minute you can schedule it, which is usually about six weeks after you've gotten your ASIN verification statement. And the only way to do that is to be on the, you know, on it. You're, you started the process. I also encourage interns who have a specific interest, like we get a lot of young women with eating disorder interests, interested in working with eating disorder, to do an elective rotation with an eating disorder clinic. That's an option with our program. Get out there and take a sampler of that just to see if that really is what you want. Um, and I think that really will help them. And then I encourage um, my interns along the way to not think about the traditional career paths. I haven't, and I've built a huge program at uh, CSS. Um, and it, and it's a, it, our field is also very heavily female dominated, so women can rise. It's not a male dominated, and not that there aren't lots of great men working in our field, but it's one where women are at top uh, uh, as well. So think outside the box, you know, don't think that you have to follow the traditional path, you know, go to Sodexo or go to WIC uh, or the traditional patterns of uh, how many of the graduates get their jobs. So those are the ways I really try and set my students up uh, to, you know, to, to launch. Great, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us today. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure.